Welcome back to another episode of NFT Catcher Podcast. We'd like to remind everybody that nothing on the show is meant as financial advice, and to please do your own research. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Now the subject is NFT. They're known as non-fungible tokens or NFTs. NFTs are exploding in popularity. This is a technology that will forever change the way people interact. So it is happening whether you understand it and like it or not. This phenomenon is moving. You have now joined Jenny from the blockchain and Michael Keane on the NFT Catcher Podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the NFT Catcher Podcast with me, Jenny from the Blockchain, and my co-host, Michael Keane. For today's interview, we have Safa and Valley Jones uh, joining us, co-founders of Tally Labs, Jenkins Valet, and Azerbala. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much for having us on. Super pumped. Hey, guys. Yes. So we always kind of like start off by hearing your guys' journey in Web3 and how you got started. So I guess, you know, whoever wants to go first, how did you first get into the NFT space? And yeah, I guess, yeah, just the very beginning of it. Yeah, our um, our our story actually starts like way before the blockchain um, on the playground in third grade where uh, where Saf and I met. We're childhood best friends. We went to school together all the way third grade through college. Um, we played sports together. We've, we've always done sort of projects together, things like that. And um, we're, uh, you know, we were into crypto in 2017 i think a lot of people were for us it was sort of like we we looked at it as like an alternative investment or something like that right at the time like folks who were who were in crypto um were really looking at it like through the lens of like right like currency and finance and then we both sort of fell into like the down the nft rabbit hole with nba top shot we're huge basketball fans i mean i'm sure like you know so many folks come on they talk about their nft journey it starts with top shot right and um, we were we were super into Top Shot, and Safa uh, from Top Shot found the Board API Club. He bought an ape. He sent me um, and a bunch of our friends actually, sort of like a video recording of his like DMs after buying his first ape, and it was like crazy. We'd never seen like community like this before. Folks, you know, welcoming the, him to the club. They were like saying ape noises and saying ape follow ape and like all the things if you're thinking back to like April and May of 2021, like the the early BAYC vibes. And and when he was when he shared that stuff with me, I was like, wow, you know, like th- this is this is this is like I think what I want to be here for. Like this community is is so exciting. I think what BAYC did in those early days is they showed that it was more than just like collecting like digital assets, it was actually like, um, being able to step into like participating in something that was like a little bit more immersive, even if it was just like, you know, the community back then. And so, um, that led me to purchase ape 1798, who now I think folks know as Jenkins, the valet. Um, and really from that point on the rest is like history for tally labs. We started writing as Jenkins, the valet. And I know we'll speak like quite a bit about that on this podcast. So you purchased you purchased Jenkins on the secondary? Yeah. Um, it was maybe like three or four weeks after the primary sale. Um, Safa, did did you mint your first ape or did you purchase on the secondary as well? Secondary as well. Yeah. And did for for Jenkins, did you buy Jenkins specifically for the the aesthetic that it was like a valet and you had an idea? 
or did yeah. um go ahead i'm sorry my, my no, son no, no. just walked in i i stuttered a little bit for a couple seconds there my son <laughs> walked in with his ipad He's cut the stutter cut the stutter yeah no, that's okay it's it's all good it's all good i just wanted to let you guys know why my questions were a little bit broken no there worries. but it's actually kind of cool to hear the the origins of how jenkins the valet came to be so so yeah. go ahead you you purchased it particularly for that for sure i um i i guess like yes and no i was a uh, um creative writing major in college and i have continued to like write as a hobby um even into like what ended up being a um a career in in product management and software development and things like that safa um after school had gone into branding marketing sort of like brand strategy things like that had started his own agency and so the two of us were doing different things at the time but but were interested in the same stuff and felt like nfts were sort of like right in the middle of this Venn diagram of like the things that we liked doing. It was, it was tech, it was brand, it was creative. And so we had been kicking around this idea that like NFT avatars could be more than just like a PFP. And I went out searching for an ape who uh, looked like it had a story to tell. So it didn't have to be like, I wasn't like, oh, there's this valet, I'm going to go find the valet. But it was more like, of all of the apes, and every ape is like cool in its own way, some look maybe more like they've just like they come out of the box with a story to tell than others. And Ape 1798, I think, is one of those. He's got the full service vest, Irish boho hat. And so when I saw that one, I was like, I think we could, I think we could work with this. Um, and then from there, you know, Saf and I worked together to develop the character and to tell the original stories and things like that. Wow, that's so cool. What is everything's relation to each other, like Tally Labs in relation to Jenkins in relation to Azerbala? Um, I feel like that's where things get a little bit confusing for me, like when I'm trying to like follow. Because my understanding is Tally Labs is kind of like the umbrella. And then mm-hmm. like, you know, underneath it is like Jenkins and Azerbala. Um, but I, yeah, I would love to hear from you guys about that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah, right. Tally Labs. Tally Labs is the parent company. Uh, that houses sort of all of the IP, employs uh, us and the rest of our team, uh, et cetera. And then it's funny, uh, most people, Tally Labs didn't even really, like as a, as a name and as a brand, didn't even really come onto the scene until, you know, earlier this year. For a while, we were just kind of Jenkins Valet. Um, and Tally Labs is obviously the underlying entity, but it wasn't something that we were super forward about. Uh, Jenkins just kind of happened so quick and grew so quick. And obviously, when we when we realized that there was an opportunity to turn it into a business, made a ton of sense to incorporate and, and really set ourselves up for success. But um, yeah, for a while we were, we, it was really important to us to let the projects and the IP shine. And I think we still feel that way. Uh, but Tally Labs as a, as an entity is like doing some really awesome work. Most of which is, is the folk, you know, the community is aware of some of which uh, we're excited to roll out soon. Uh, but I think around our fundraise, which was May of this year, uh, we decided to make a really concerted effort to actually give Tally a bit more of a voice than it did have in the way that I think it's not too dissimilar um, from what, what Yuga did as they started to give Yuga a bit more of a voice outside of just the board API club. Hmm, yeah. I have to say, I, I, first of all, I can't believe you guys have grown up with each other since you were like three years old. That's like so crazy to me, but you know what? You guys kind of sound very similar to me. I'm like, I feel like, you know, you also have very similar voices. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, at this point, we like spend so much time together or are like at least on Zoom or like calls together so often that um, 
I don't know. We've probably like picked up each other's cadences or things like that. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Safa, I don't know if you saw earlier that, that um, we tweeted like a, a recap of um, uh, we were on rug radio with Farouk yesterday. We were like chatting and from the Jenkins account, there was like a, like a little audio blurb. And I'm pretty sure it was you speaking Safa, but, but even in the beginning, I was like, wait, which one of us is that? And so to your point, I, I actually think if you see us in person, you would not feel that our voices were similar. But I, but I get that point, uh, Jennifer, like it's, um, yeah, I think like we say the same stuff, we do the same stuff We're we're yeah. always writing as, you know, pretend ape valets and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So we end up like, just probably like, uh, merging a little bit. I feel that I have a twin sister and everyone's like, oh my God, it's so crazy how much like your mannerisms are the same. Mm-hmm. And, like you sound the same. And like, that's the truth. Yeah. Michael's, sure. yeah, yeah. Like if you meet us in person, you're like, oh my God, this is so freaky. I'm like, okay, chill. But okay. So, um, <laughs> Safa, I actually met you at, uh, the Jenkins of LA party in New York. Yep. In I think it was June, oh, right? June. Yeah. Yeah. June. Okay. Yeah. In June, which, <laughs> Fun fact, I didn't even have anything Jenkins, which I had at one point and then I sold it. And so Michael was like, oh, let me lend you like like this Jenkins of LA ticket so you can go to the party and I'll be there too. And so like I RSVP'd, which I know was like a small party. So there was only like 400 available slots or something. And I RSVP'd. I'm like, Michael, did you RSVP? And he like wasn't online and he totally missed it. And I low-key oh, fell back because yeah. I was like, no, because Michael has been like a huge fan um, of, of all things Jenkins for a long time. That's <laughs> but I was like, yeah. you know, yeah, like, was, let me just go to this it was, anyway. It was awesome to meet you. And next time we do an event, you guys should just just DM us and we'll we'll make it happen. Hey. Especially mm. I'm surprised. Jenny from the blockchain does not need to RSVP. To I mean, anything. come on. That Hopefully I don't get in trouble for passing around the. Uh, <laughs> no, oh, no, shoot. No. We shouldn't have said that. Nah, no, more, more the merrier. Honestly, we, we, we should have booked a bigger venue. I think like we had more people trying to come than we thought we, we would. Uh, yeah, that was a popular one. Yeah. So we ended up having to do two separate events, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was, we made, we made it work, but it would have been nice for everyone to be at one, you know, mm-hmm. there at one time. So that, uh, yeah. that restaurant has been our old faithful. It's where we, where we did our first event, then FTNYC before that. So November of last year. But I think we, uh, I think it's time to graduate from it um, and, and get, do a little something bigger. Nice. Yeah. Jennifer mentioned that I've been a fan. I mean, we've talked about your project. I can't say how many times on the podcast from the beginning, uh, even in, in July of last year, I was actually messaging with the Jenkins, the valet before you guys dropped with the, that account to get you guys listed on NFT catcher. And um, for whatever reason, I didn't mint. I don't know why, but then I bought one pre-reveal, ended up being a key, bought three more after that, and haven't sold any, been very happy. Got all my uh, yeah, got all my board and dangerous NFTs and all that. Yeah, no, you guys have it's it's been a fun journey to watch. It was really unique from the beginning. Uh, I mean, you guys were definitely ahead of the curve with that. And um it was, it just, you could tell the vibe, you could tell all the right people were into it. So uh, it's awesome to see, you know, it's now 15 months later or whatever it is and still cranking. Yeah. Thank still, you. Still very um, relevant. Did you, did, did, did you license an April mutant to, to the game of where's Jenkins? I did. I, uh, cool. I did my ape. My ape is in that big picture that yep. was drawn. 
Yep. Yeah, yeah, the you, where's, the where's Wilder. I did yeah. find him. Yeah, it took a Amazing. while. Because yeah. I didn't even know for 100%. I was like, ah, oh, I licensed this so long ago with the key. I was like, hopefully it's in there. And I'm right. searching and searching and searching and finally found him. So that was pretty yeah, awesome. That, that, that was that was really fun to make. Safa yeah. spent a lot of time on that, and so did oh, so wow. did Thread Guy. Um, we had artists from Hiroshima, Japan, who worked on that. There, there. I remember uh, that. Sort yeah. Of, yeah. So they did a, obviously a really amazing job. Mm-hmm. We, uh, I think you know, we were we definitely tried to do something different last August with the writers' room. Met twenty twenty one was was you know really like the year of the animal PFP. Right. And, and so, and there were so many super cool projects that came out, but I think, you know, when we were writing as Jenkins and we were thinking to ourselves, like, how can we engage the community in a deeper way? Um, doing stuff around sort of like the quote unquote, like utility of coming together to tell a story was like really exciting to us. And, and it's something I think is like very much part of the identity at Tally Labs. Like our goal is to try to use NFTs to create experiences that like might not otherwise be able to be created. And so that we're not going to stop for sure. Sometimes it goes amazing. Other times, you know, we, we've, I'm sure we'll talk about it today. We, you know, we revealed the Azurian PFPs and we've got some more work to do to like make those what they can be. But I think you don't, our, you don't our, say. <laughs> <laughs> Our ambition for sure is to um is to try to take things in different directions and try to try to do stuff in the space that um is unique. And I think, you know, ultimately if we if we stay close to the community, and this is one of the things we learned obviously in the Israel reveal, but if we stay close to the community and we're all working together to do things that are unique, um, I believe that that you know we'll be around for a long time, hopefully making some really, really cool stuff. Yeah, we got to talk about the art reveal real quick because that was literally the talk of the freaking town. Like everyone in the NFT space was making a meme about it. I mean, everyone was, you know, engagement farming about it. But uh, I kind of want to talk a bit about, you know, what was going on behind the scenes? Do you guys feel a lot of pressure from that? Basically, I'm sure, you know, if you're listening, maybe you know what's going on, maybe you don't. But Maybe it was about two weeks ago, um, Azerbala revealed what the art was going to look like, and it did not go well. Like People did not like the art, and it just got a lot of um, FUD from people in, in the NFT space, and you know how Twitter can be. <laughs> it, it can be a vicious place when everyone's dogpiling on something, you know, um, just for the laughs, but... Yeah. But yeah, like how was that? And you guys immediately hosted a spaces, you know, addressing it. And um, I'll let you talk on it. But yeah, how was that behind the scenes? Like all that well, happening? I mean, first off, thank you for asking the question. It's probably what the people want to hear. I know it's not an easy one to ask. Um, it uh, it sucked. Like it was a, it was it was for sure the 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 most public failure that either of us have had in our careers. It's really hard on us. It was really hard on the team probably even harder on the community, right? Who, who have spent so much time building characters and contributing and, and, and really care so much about it. So in that sense, we feel like we, we let a lot of people down, which really hurts. Uh, when we take a step back uh, and when we try and look at the bright side, the most optimistic way that I could put it is that there's now like a couple months uh, delay on Azarians. And that's, and that's obviously what it is. I think now with the revamped process, which we'd love to talk about, um, there's going to be a lot of eyes on us. And so, so we've tried really hard to, um, to see the silver lining here. I think as soon as it happened, you mentioned the spaces, we knew that we, there was no like running from this. We needed to own up. 
Um, we needed to talk about where we went wrong. We needed to talk about uh, the process of creating the art and how that could have been improved. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but um, for us, getting on a space and addressing the community, letting them know that we're here, we're not going anywhere. This isn't a rug. Like, is really important. Um, so we did that immediately. That was a Friday, um, and then we spent. Uh, we worked until like the late hours that Friday night um, together, coming up with a plan for uh, how we could course correct um, much of that plan, or I should say phase one of that plan is in motion, um, which is getting back to our roots of being a community generative project. I think we had really great intentions, which was uh, we wanted to wow the community with the reveal and we wanted to go for the element of surprise and we wanted them to feel really proud of it. In doing so, we built the project without them in a silo. And you know, I don't think it's enough to say, hey, we're gonna create all of this media together, but when it comes to a world, we're just gonna do that on our own. And that's sort of what we did. We had the best intentions, but clearly it didn't work. And so we're now revamping the whole process, taking this opportunity to work with the existing community and rebuild and, and really rethink how like a PFP collection can come to market together. Um, so we've dropped two surveys, two token gated surveys in the members portal where people can go in, they can say exactly what they like, what they don't like, uh, and the surveys sort of build on each other. And so by the time this second one is complete, we're going to close it in like six or so days. We'll have a really, and we sort of already do, but we'll have an even more defined direction that we want to take it. We're really excited about that. Um, the community has spoken. We know exactly what they want. But what I think we're really excited about is that uh, even within that, there's still a ton of swim lanes. And the biggest balance here and, and something that we think about a lot, not just here, but in like the media that we create as well, is how do you take into account thousands of individuals' perspectives while also solving for like quality and, and making sure that you have an expert who feels like they have the freedom to like be an expert. Um, so we feel that the survey was a great way to do that. And we're now using what we got from that survey to engage um, really awesome artists um, who match the style and can kind of help bring it to life. And uh, we, we were hoping that our time would be October. It was going to be a great time to launch uh, the, the uh, you know, Ranga is doing amazing, but the space needed like a really awesome opportunity. I think a lot of people saw us as that opportunity. Um, we missed that window because of a poor reveal. But uh, we're going to be back. We're going to be back soon. And we're working really hard to, to get back there with art that the community makes and is also really proud of. What is it sounding like the community wants? You know, I don't, you don't have to go into too many details, or, but what are you seeing? What are you hearing? Uh, For sure. Yeah, yeah. Great question. Um, we are hearing, um, let me actually back up one sec. One thing that we tried to do is we tried to make Azurian characters. And I'd say the overall sentiment that we've heard is um you got to nail the pfp there's a difference between like, like a pfp is a very specific thing it's that circle on twitter and there are there are there are and i'm not trying to justify and say that the art that we made was like outside of the pfp circle like crushed it i think we heard like a lot of really good feedback but i think like principle number one is crush the pfp and then from the success of PFP, there's other stuff you can do. You can you can make 3D models that people can use. You can make different versions of them. You can make full body versions of them, like a whole bunch of different things. You can give folks the ability with custom software to change the clothing, like you name it. But 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 first and foremost, you got to nail the PFP. Um, within the scope of like what makes a good PFP, I think the feedback we've gotten is that um, really high quality 2D is um is better than 3d making sure that it's unique right like you really don't want it to to be like a copy pasta i mean 
Jennifer, you have like two two different PFPs, like right hanging above you. They kind of look similar, honestly. After you said they do, they do, but they're also like. I mean, I I would say that Cool Cats and Doodles both are. um, You when you see one, you know what it is, Uh, and that matters a lot. So so we words like distinct words like exclusive, and I don't think that that the community meant exclusive, like that the community is exclusive, but that the but that the PFPs themselves have like a have like sort of that brand where when you see it, you know it. And then uh, if you if you think about what did resonate around Azerbala, the world that we built and the lore that we brought to market, um, and all of the visuals that we've shown about the setting, I think really people did like. And so the feedback is to bring the PFPs into that style. So it's jungle. There's a mix of like modern and ancient, and that has come out in with with words like steampunk and diesel punk and cyberpunk. We're sort of internally starting to take a bunch of the the feedback, and we're beginning to craft uh, like a point of view around something that we're calling jungle punk. And so, two D high quality jungle punk, um, you know, supported by a ton of the like qualitative feedback that we've gotten from the community in, in these surveys, I think is 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 the direction that we're going to take it in with like a like with some amazing artists. Um, and, and we've learned from the community that having the opportunity to set the creative direction up front with the community is like huge and matters a ton, but also you, you have to give like an elite, like creative the ball, uh, and you have to let them do what they do. Like people are professionals for a reason. And so we need to take what we learn from the community and then give it to like an amazing art director and amazing artist and like let them run with it and like let that vision come to life. And have you guys thought about maybe doing like a community council like Board Apes just announced that? Um, I mean, obviously, you're doing the community portal, which is awesome for people to be able to give feedback and and really be a part of um, the process of, of the art. But yeah, have you thought about a community council at all? Yes, we have. And I'm only bringing up Yuga because you did. I have all the love for them in the world. So this is not shade at all promise. We announced it and, and, and put plans in that sort of on our own prior to Yuga announcing it. I think we, we immediately identified a community council as like a really awesome way to uh, not have too many cooks in the kitchen, but still have important community members in the room uh, and give them the opportunity to speak sort of on behalf of the community. Um, so we are really excited about that. Um, we are going to be releasing more information probably next week about it, but, uh, it's going to be a really awesome opportunity for community members to be in the room with us, have a seat at the table, uh, weigh in on the art, uh, and speak sort of on behalf of, of the, the folks that they represent, uh, and really sort of like help us make meaningful decisions with the, with the collection. Just like you go always front running. <laughs> now we, uh, we, we love them. They're, they're incredible. Yeah, of course, uh, of course. Me too. Uh, me too. A council is is more more projects should be doing it. I'm embarrassed that we waited this yeah. long, frankly. You know. So, um, how many so. people do you guys have on on your team? There are 14 of us. Yeah. yeah. I, um, so for a long time, the team was was basically just Safa and myself. Um, we yeah. were a lot of the folks who have joined the team. We either knew from previous lives, um, uh, coworkers, things like that, or have come from the community. And so Robes, our head of product, and OP, our head of engineering, um, uh, we knew before we had relationships with them outside of the NFT space. Uh, and they were they were contracting or just like working with us on on like the earliest versions of like writer's room software and things like that. 
they joined the team right around when we closed uh, our fundraising round in May of 2022. Um, and then the team has grown really from the two of us to the four of us. And now they're 14. Obviously, folks know the people from the community, Thread Guy, Apewood, Filmbook, Emily Dell joined the team as head of story. We had been working with her in a different capacity. She's a fellow CAA client. So we worked with her on like the sort of original world Bible for Azurbala. Now she works on uh, sort of across the board on all things story. And uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been, it, it's uh, as with anything, I think like the growth has been fast, but I'm really like proud of the team. I mean, folks just like have jumped right in, rolled up their sleeves. And like, it's, it's like the type of team, like on day one, when someone joins the team, like they're, they're grabbing something to work on, which is like exactly sort of what you dream of. That's awesome. Yeah. At Evaluate, we're just 10 people. And it's like, it's kind of nice having a smaller team. Like my sister, she works at Cryptoids and it's like 50 people, which it's like, oh my gosh, there's, there's just so much happening when you have a lot of moving pieces. But you mentioned Thread Guy, which we had on, uh, if anyone wants to listen to that, episode 62. He joined us for a Sunday recap episode uh, a while back. And um, Thread Guy, he, man, he's really brought a lot of attention to Jenkins and he's really good at getting attention. And uh, yeah, I just want to say, great job hiring Thread Guy. How did you guys connect with him? I think he had said he wrote a thread or something about Jenkins, I want to say. I've never seen Thread Guy write it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, he, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a really funny story. So so this is a throwback for you all. So uh, we knew, th- or we were fans of Thread Guy uh, when, his, when his name was Discover X NFT and he was rocking a mm. G-Ball. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, he was rocking a G-Ball before his mutant. And uh, yeah, he started the account from scratch and and wrote a thread about our project. And we thought it was awesome. We thought it reflected like uh, a better a better understanding that, than we had really seen in, in past threads from anyone. Um, and so we just started to kind of build a relationship with him. At the time, didn't didn't know um, how young he is. He's 20 years old and he's like yep. got the maturity of, you know, a 40 year old. But um, but yeah, we were really impressed. Uh, the, his account kept continuing to grow. We stayed in touch. He continued to show support. We continued to show support. And then earlier this year, I want to say, I don't know, April-ish, uh, March, April. And for us, like hiring from within the community is really important. Uh, it's something that we've done, not not just with Thread Guy, but we've we've continued to do. And so when we thought about someone who really understands the space, really understands the pro- uh, our project and and would just be excited to roll up their sleeves, he immediately came to mind. And it's cool because we uh, going into the call we had with him, you know, his account had grown quite a bit and we were kind of like, obviously we had an established project. We were kind of like, felt like we were auditioning for him a little bit. Like, oh my God, do you think Thread Guy would want to work with us? And it, and and then it turns out he sort of felt the same way. There was, he said that there were very few projects that he would have, he would have ever taken a full-time role with um, just because he's been so like precious and careful with his brand. So it was a, it was a really good match. And uh, yeah, he's been an awesome member of the team. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, Michael. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys um, a little tiny bit off topic, uh, but what you thought about the, uh, the royalty uh, discussion that's been going on. Cause I know you guys obviously collect royalties. It's been, mm-hmm. I'm sure part of the business model, but then there's a lot of discussion and it, it came to my head because, because of thread guy. And I've been listening to him and Alexander talk and that, you know, mm-hmm. that's obviously, do you guys listen to those spaces? They get pretty wild, huh? Yeah. Yeah. They they definitely get wild. It's yeah. also funny if you have a meeting with Thread Guy after right. one of those spaces, uh, he's, you he's can tell he's up. like a little riled up yeah. for like the first five <laughs> minutes. Like you can hear it in his voice. 
uh-huh and then uh-huh. he like he obviously said those spaces get crazy they get um, crazy they get but crazy. they're, they're it's super hard to fun, turn away right? they are fun yeah i was addicted to, to listening to them I like pretty a much TV show yeah. that you know it is. I mean, I put it on while I'm sitting here at my computer work, and I I always yeah. have I try and listen to Twitter Spaces most of the day at this point, honestly, because I gain followers just sitting there listening to people follow you, so might as well. But uh, so back to the royalty thing. I don't. Do you guys have any kind of overarching like kind of theory or thesis on what the market yeah. should look like about the royalties and all that? Yeah, 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 for sure. And and I guess I would caveat by saying like, um, I don't think uh, I don't know everything about it, right? Like, I, like I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't, like, well, like my mind could certainly change. So I'll just say that. But um, I think like my instinct is that uh, royalties are good for the space. Keep in mind, obviously, you're hearing that from from a from a project creator, right? So like, you know, you made the you made the point that part of our business model is is um you know it depends on royalties but um i actually think that tally labs is maybe even in a slightly different position than than a lot of other projects in that we like raised the seed round in may um from a16z crypto and a bunch of others and so mm-hmm. we are slightly less dependent on royalties today than than maybe many other projects. You, you can't run a business forever, like just on like VC funding, right? And so the, the the funds that we have are are sort of aimed towards growing the business and like, you know, reaching like a sustainable and like a profitable model that can grow. But I think we're maybe like a little more immune to like swings today with respect to royalties than other projects. But as like a collector, when I look at the space, I've always felt that royalties or one of the things that made like Web3 really special because yeah. it allowed creators to, um, it sort of incentivizes them to keep putting energy into the projects and into the communities that they're growing. And it creates these like little ecosystems that can exist on their own. And if, and if, if you're a smaller creator and you're, you're just focused on your art or on your project, um, you can make a living off of royalties, both being able to like cover your own costs, but also like reinvest back into a project with, with with just that ecosystem. And so I always sort of thought that royalties were like what made the concept of like a thousand true fans like really possible in the NFT space. Yep. yep. On the other hand, um, it's not surprising to me that folks like transacting on marketplaces with 0% royalties because it's, you know, whatever, it's 5% more in your pocket or something. And in some cases that like that means a lot. And so I think we'll have to just like wait and see what happens. I think one of the things that makes the space so special, though, is just like how vibrant it is and how many folks are creating. Uh, and I do believe that the royalties are like a, a sort of a one of the key reasons why that happens. Yeah, it is for sure. One of the artists that I really like, Frank Kozik, he's an OG artist, and he responded to somebody talking about that and basically just said, if you don't have royalties, you don't have artists. You know, yeah. so that kind of stuck with yeah. me. I mean, and there's probably a difference between the projects and the and the like one of one slash edition artists, like the mm-hmm. independent artists. There's definitely a difference there. But I yeah. appreciate thanks for the the response there for sure. Yeah, what, one other thing that like maybe mm-hmm. there's like a hybrid approach that that could be interesting over time is like um when it's tough because it's like this conversation about like it, it, you're having a conversation really about art but the royalties sort of get into like the the finance of it all. But um I I see on the timeline that 
oftentimes the conversation about royalties isn't happening. I feel like when the price of NFTs is going up, right. um, but royalties come into the conversation when something really bad happens and everyone is like, like selling their NFTs because they don't want to be affiliated with a project anymore. And a creator yes. is like monetizing all the way down basically. Yeah. And so maybe, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I'll say, you don't have to say it. I'll say it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And so I, I wonder if there are like if there are more nuanced models that will come out over time that that sure. could could better align incentives. But I don't think that zero percent royalties across the board is the ultimate way to align like collectors yeah. and artists. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think they could kind of turn them on and turn them off strategically. Some projects, I think, you know, like when things are not going well, hey, we're going to stop taking royalties right now, you know. Something like that uh, could be an option because you could you could turn them on and turn them off with respect to OpenSea, right? And change your percentages and do whatever you like. Yeah, you can. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's really the interesting conversation here. I think like some people are for sure talking about royalties or no royalties. What I've personally read, though, is that uh, the enforceability of royalties is like what's really sort of interesting here yes. in that yes. they're yeah. completely unenforceable. And so if that's the case, then obviously, to VJ's point, consumers taking advantage of 0%. They're sort of within within their right to do that because there are marketplaces that offer it, and royalties by yep. nature are not enforceable. So, I think um, I think we need a better solution. I think we need to figure out a way for royalties to be enforceable. Um, but I I believe like deeply in royalties, and I think that they make the ecosystem go round and and they they align people, they align creators and communities. So, um, if we can figure out a way to get enforceable royalties, I think they're a great thing for the space. Personally, yep. Um, my last question here as we as we come to a close is um, I'm curious here from both of you on your reflection on what you've learned building a Web3 company um, over the past year, two years, um, and what advice you have to other uh, people building in Web3, especially in the bear market. Um, I'll go first, uh, and I'm, uh, but I'm excited to hear Safa's as well. I would say that what I've learned is um, two things. The first is uh, if you if you have the opportunity to build alongside someone who you just like deeply trust uh, and who you have a relationship with, like I have with Safa and like we have with our entire team, like you should do that. It, it's um it's hard. Like there are there are good days and there are bad days, and in any case, it's better to be like surrounded by um people who you you know consider like your best friends or your closest friends or things like that um building in public is incredibly challenging um it's it's challenging uh, especially when you uh like make mistakes but the advice and so i've learned that for sure uh the advice though that i would give to anyone setting out is to do that because i think building in public is far more rewarding and is sort of what this whole thing is all about. Like, yes, there's the blockchain and yes, there's all these things and, and models that NFTs like unlock that might not be possible without them. But Web3 is just as much about this culture of doing it all together uh, than anything else. And I think no matter how hard that can be sometimes to, to lean into the community and to do it all together is a is a significantly better experience than to do it in another way. Thank you, Safa. Mike Pass. I have, <laughs> no, that's that's a really awesome answer, and it's going to be tough to follow. Um, I have learned a lot about 
um, learning, learning to build a business in public and be community facing is, has been a really interesting experience. VJ mentioned in the intro, I had started a company before very, very different. There was no public audience that we were accountable to. Uh, we were accountable to like our clients, right? It was like a service-based business, uh, building in public and having thousands and thousands of, of community members that you're accountable to on a daily basis is a really interesting experience. And I think overall, it's the really net positive. And we've made some incredible friends. They hold us accountable. We're better for it. Like it's, uh, it's really awesome. But I would say I've just in general learned how to deal with that a little bit better than I, than maybe uh, I, I thought we would do or in the beginning or, or, or I started off as because every single move that we make, Azurian Avatar is being a great example. Like, like when you mess up in this space, you don't mess up in a silo. That's not a, it's not a, a tree falling in the woods, right? It's uh, it's, it's a, a very public thing, but that's also same, same thing for the, for the positives, right? It's, it's so amazing because when you do awesome things, the whole community gets to come together and celebrate for it. So I've just, I've just learned in general, I think how to be comfortable operating in that environment and how to be comfortable operating in, in public a bit more, um, which is, which is not something that I think really anyone can prepare for until they do it. Totally. All right, Michael, you have any last cool. minute questions or anything you want to say? Yeah. My last one last question is actually, we'll try and do a quick, it's a, it's a two-parter, but it is something that I'm interested in hearing about. I know from the beginning and I haven't kept up on the exact details, but I believe that the holders were supposed to receive or, or, or possibly getting royalties from, uh, from the book. I don't remember exactly. And then I wanted to ask about that and see how, if for how that's working and then tie that into the SEC. And have you guys thought about that? And I know when, when the project dropped, it was kind of the wild West and, and, you know, people were making all different kinds of promises. And I don't know if that's something you guys have thought about. I'm sure you won't want to say too much about the SEC, but you, I guess you can see where I'm going with that. I don't know uh, what your thoughts on, on those situations are. For sure. I mean, it was definitely the wild, wild West when we started, but I think that's yeah. sort of fair to say about the industry. I think from the very beginning, we've treated it I don't know what the opposite of the wild wild west is the tame tame east um <laughs> uh from the very beginning it was really important to us to to be compliant and above board and seek out the best legal counsel so um despite what may have been going on in the space uh we were operating we've 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 always been operating this way uh folks are receiving royalties those royalties are not uh owed to people for simply owning an asset there's no instance in which you buy something uh, and you expect profit as a result. Uh, those royalties come to, to people because they license, they contribute to the work. Uh, and there's actually like a real sort of exchange of, of services. We're using their IP. Uh, they're allowing us to use their IP. We're depicting it. It's enhancing the story and mm-hmm. they're receiving royalties. So to our knowledge and to the, the knowledge of, of the various sort of lawyers that we've consulted with, um, we're, we're not in, in danger because of the way that that mechanic is set up. But for yeah. sure, uh, obviously, the SEC, as as evident, is um, is paying attention to the space, and so we're going to continue to to try and operate at the highest level. Uh, and I think we're proud of the work we've done up up until this point. I think to your point, there was a lot of folks who maybe in the beginning felt that that this day would never come. We've sort of been prepared for this day, and we've known it would come. So um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And and when do the when or how do the royalties get distributed? Yeah, we're this is something that we're um working on right now. The way that the royalties so so the folks who license their IP to the um to Board and Dangerous split um 50% of net profits. So step one 
is um, producing the PNL mm-hmm. that distills net profits. And so there are, you know, many vendors who like need to be paid, who worked on board and dangerous. And so we're just about at the end of that. So you get to net profits. Um, we'll be publishing more on that very soon. Um, the first royalty payment will include the primary sale of the board and dangerous NFT plus wow. the um, first quarter of royalties. And our intention is to pay royalties every quarter thereafter from, from any secondary royalties that the book makes. And then, you know, there are other ways that the IP could be monetized, like through traditional publishing, uh, if it's adapted to another medium, things like that. Yep. The mechanic likely will be that folks claim the royalty, right? So we know the wallets who are eligible and then they'll do that. But but um, uh, we'll be sharing, I think, substantially more on, on, on what the first royalty payment is. Uh, as well as the mechanic um, in the next few weeks. Love it. Well, we're getting to the end, but thank you guys so much for coming on. I really, I mean, I see this project super long-term. Um, I I think you guys are building something really smart, really cool, really unique. And it was a pleasure uh, having you guys on. I know you guys have been through a lot and in the news a lot, but thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so yeah. much for having us. Um, big fans, like like right back at you. So cool. really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. And with that said, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, consider writing a review. We are on our mission to get to 100 ratings on Apple Podcasts by our 100th episode. This is episode 96, and we have 92 ratings so far. So we just need eight more. The end is near. Anyway, um, yeah, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll catch you in the next one. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to the NFT Catcher Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about the exciting world of NFTs. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you really love what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. If you want to stay up to date with the latest news and insights from the NFT space, be sure to follow us on all the socials at NFT Catcher Pod. You can follow Jennifer at Jennifer underscore pseudo and Michael at NF Ticket. I'm your producer, Andy, and I'm at AJC254. Our theme songs by It's Just Los. We always appreciate your feedback and support, which helps us reach more people and bring you informative and engaging content about NFTs. We look forward to bringing you more great NFT content in future episodes. Thanks for listening. Peace.